0: Football team.
1: Players on the football field. For Washington football
0: team.
2: Okay, Cowboys on. back in action Sunday. First of few more NFC East games for them. Can they finish out strong? Can the Washington football team make it tough for them? We'll find out on Sunday, but we're going to preview it all here on this episode of About Them Cowboys. I'm Kent, producing and welcoming in two of the best of the best when it comes to breaking down all things Dallas Cowboys. It's the Eagles in sports and such as Kevin KT Turner in the hosting chair. And of course, as always, it's Father John Mishota of The Athletic, the Cowboys beat writer. Let's uh, dive into this thing, KT. Maybe look around the division and uh, take it away.
1: Yeah, uh, you know, it was a Sunday where the Cowboys had a chance to do a little scoreboard watching, and then Washington squeaks by Las Vegas, kind of just getting by them. Uh, gardner Minshew game for the Eagles. Uh And before you know it, the NFC East is kind of looking like it's uh, hanging in the balance here. So it's definitely a huge game uh, this Sunday. John, I guess we should start and we should tell our audience we're recording this on Tuesday evening. We should start with a little health check. Uh, how are we feeling in terms of updates and maybe getting some guys back?
3: Yeah, so Terrence Steele just came off the COVID-19 reserve list today, a few hours before we started recording this. So that's a good sign. I think he could be in for some action. We still are trying to figure out if it's going to be him or... Or Lyle Collins starting at right tackle. Jerry Jones on the radio this morning saying they both will, quote, play a lot. I don't know how that is going to work out. Uh, Made me kind of think maybe we see some packages where they bring in an extra uh, offensive lineman just because they've been so poor against the run. But we can get into that in a little bit. Uh, You're going to get Tristan Hill back off of his one-game suspension. Uh, So that helps the defensive line. And then also helping the defensive line... It sounds like they're going to get Randy Gregory and Neville Gallimore back. Now, I think that that will be on a limited basis for both. They'll both probably be on a snap count. Maybe it's only 20, 25 snaps each. I know they wanted to keep Lawrence around about 30 last week, and I think he got about 37 in his first game back. So uh, the defensive line, this is going to be about as healthy as they've been all season. So uh, that's a good sign. Uh, Wide receivers, you got Michael Gallup, Amari Cooper, CeeDee Lamb, they're all should be back to 100% now. Uh, some continuity built there, so that's a good sign. And then the only other one is we go back to Ezekiel Elliott. I mean, the hope was that getting that 10 days of rest helps his knee, but uh, it's I think that's wishful thinking to think that all of a sudden you're going to see a fresh Ezekiel Elliott uh, for this game or for any time for the rest of the season. So I think that knee is going to be something that they're going to have to continue to manage, and that would likely mean more carries for Tony Pollard. But I was thinking that the last couple of weeks and that didn't happen, so that remains to be seen.
1: Yeah, you know, one thing this time of year that I've I've been a little concerned with, um, because A, we haven't seen a lot of a good track record of this team like, you know, playing in, in colder weather. You know, we're gonna be low forties probably, windy, but but cold hitting weather and the, the, the team's inability to run the football. Is we're past concerning. It's it's you know I'm not I, we're getting close. That finger's kind of inching towards the panic button, and I'm just wondering. And I know McCarthy likes to be kind of careful and a little mysterious sometimes. I'm wondering if there's what they're what they're specifically aiming to do to make the running game better. Is that exchanging Connor Williams in at left guard? Is it giving Tony Pollard more carries? I'm just wondering, you know, what the remedies are to that and if we'll be able to figure it out. Cause we may have to be detectives on that, because McCarthy's probably not going to say much.
3: Well, with we saw earlier in the year when they were having some trouble running it, you know, they didn't want to run at all at Tampa. They were like, fine, they're going to take away the run, we'll throw. Then that following week we started seeing that Mac package with Connor McGovern coming in playing a little bit like a fullback. Well, now that you've got him at left guard and if he's going to stay there. Maybe they bring in an extra offensive lineman. Maybe that's why Jerry said that they're both going to play a lot in Terrence Steele and Lyle Collins, because maybe they're going to bring in an extra offensive lineman and be like, okay, this is going to be like another tight end type thing where it's just going to be another blocker. We're going to have six up front and yeah, that's going to hurt us in the passing game a little bit, but we have to get something going on the ground or we're going to be in trouble. This is one of the best rushing defenses in the NFL. If we cannot run the ball at all, it's going to be tough to win this game. And so to force it, they might bring in an extra offensive lineman. I I, I, I can't think of anything else that you, that you can do that is going to jumpstart it because you're not getting any new players. And let's be honest, even if they did switch back, let's say they went back to Terrence Steele or they went back to Connor Williams. Like, it's not like this running game issues that just started last week or the week before. Yeah, It's been for like the last five weeks. And really, it's the entire offensive line. It's not just on the running game. It's, it's also in the pass blocking it's like one of those things if someone said that you could wave the magic wand and you could fix one part of this team, everybody should be in favor of fixing the offensive line. If that gets right, the trickle down is everything else will get right.
1: Yeah. You know, and I don't even know if, if it's a fair like assessment of what the running game is or any fixes that they make, because Washington has been pretty damn good against the run Um, yards per game. They're third in the league. Uh, allowing about 91 rushing yards per game. And, you know, we had New Orleans, we talked about last week, they were fifth at the time. And I don't know if it's necessarily about how many total yards that you accrue, but it's, it's, it's shortening third downs. We're seeing a team get in a lot of third and longs. You're seeing Dak get happy feet. You're seeing pressure and all those types of things. And that's leading to a lot of things. I, I, I saw where Jerry had said something, I guess he did the hit on the, on the fan today, where he had said something about receivers not finishing routes I, I don't know where I'm at on that because I feel like the receivers have been in pretty good position. We've seen Dak miss throws. I think back to the Kansas City game where it kind of jumps out at you a little bit. So I'm not sure that I'm all the way with Jerry on the whole receivers finishing routes routes bit. What would you think about that comment?
3: Sounded like someone trying to take pressure off his quarterback. Um, you know, you yeah. can – can, it's not like he said a receiver specifically – and if you looked at this team and you broke it down by position groups, I mean, maybe with them getting Gregory and Neville Gallimore back, you could say the defensive line, but they're probably their greatest strength is their wide receivers. And so it's like, why not push some blame over there? Because I'm putting it on Michael Gallup, CeeDee Lamb, and Amari Cooper, who, one, they can be able to handle the load. I don't I don't see any one of those three getting upset because Jerry said that on the radio. And the other is because, I mean, that trio is as good as you can get. So why don't we just say that if they are a little bit sharper, everything else will fall into place as opposed to just blaming Dak or the offensive line. But to say that it's receivers running routes, I mean, come on now. That's, that's not the reason that they've been off. I mean, there's a, there's better chance that one, like I said, and what I believe it is the offensive line, it's affecting Dak, whether it's him getting the ball out too quick or, and not letting something develop or him not feeling comfortable in the pocket. I think that that's all, you know, there's examples of that since he's come back Uh, maybe the calf, you know, there's something in that involved as well. And I think that that was Jerry trying to take some pressure off of the quarterback.
1: And I'm okay with that. That's fine. I just, you know, I don't know. To to be honest, what's wrong with the offense and specifically the running game is not clear cut. Um, Well, And here's where I'm going to backpedal, and I'm going to piss off a lot of Zeke fans. Unless it is as simple as giving Tony Pollard the ball a little bit more. I'm not saying that's it, but it might be that. And I understand, you know, pass blocking, pass protection, what Zeke means to the locker room. I'm not saying inactivate Zeke. I'm just saying, can we get a game where Pollard gets quite a few more carries than Zeke does? I think it makes sense for not only the experimental side of things, I think it makes sense for the one guy who's going to hit a home run on your offense uh, running the ball. And I think it makes sense for the case of getting Zeke a little bit healthier and kind of managing him because you're going to be a playoff team. And I think there's a lot of that in play too. When it comes down to it and your game planning, you're locking out on Washington. You're trying to figure out how to, to run on De'Ron Payne and Jonathan Allen. And we'll see if Montez Sweat plays and all that stuff. I get that and fully understand it. But man, I'm just telling you, I I think I would be happy to see Tony Pollard get 16 carries and Zeke have eight carries rather than vice versa.
3: Yeah, and I think a lot of people would agree with you on that, me included. Uh, I just brought up Tony Pollard's game log, and there isn't any game with more than 14 carries on it. And I don't think it would be asking. I'm not one of these guys that thinks that Tony Pollard should be getting 20, 25 carries. But you can you can pump up those numbers a little bit there. You can get up to those are rookie numbers. You can get up to uh, you can get up to 17, 18 carries there. And I think he'll be fine. I I just don't. I don't know, man. I, 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 I think that there's a sense of let's not take away his big play ability by getting him beat up running between the tackles. But when your running game is this bad and the only thing that's been solid in the running game is that when he's hit the occasional, you know, like the home run last week and he's had a couple other runs, particularly when they've gotten outside the tackles and, and run on, on offset on, on the edges. That's that's, I think, where, where you could possibly get it. But how often are you going to do that? And when I'm talking about getting the running game going, that's when you're running traditional runs between the tackles. You should be able to do that. Like when they start doing that. And it's not trick plays. It's not reverses. It's not rush yards because you threw behind the line of scrimmage to Ceedee lamb. I'm talking your traditional running play yards. When they start doing that, we'll all know that it's fixed. Until they get that part of the game going, it is not fixed.
1: No, no, I'm with you. Like like the way New Orleans said for the one time that New Orleans kind of had control of that game the other night where New Orleans just said, we're going to snap it to Taysom Hill and run it right up the middle. You know, and, and I was thinking about that. Looking back to the defense as well, like defense has been able to put yards on this team. That's that's clear. Taylor Heineke, to me, I'm not some believer in Taylor Heineke. I, I know that uh, he's a great story and people like to talk to him. I, I think he's bad. I mean, my God, watching that game against the Raiders the other day, dude, he threw the ball to the Raiders twice, hit him in the hands. They didn't catch the ball. And it's they don't win the game if those balls are intercepted. You know, I like, it's it's little things like that. It, it just feels like such a high-wire circus act at all times that I'm refusing to buy into it. Yeah, the grit, yeah, that's fun. The scrambling ability, the ability to extend plays, sure, that's good there. This is a quarterback who you should, you should not have any problems with. Quite frankly, it's an offense who you shouldn't have any problems with. But I was thinking about the one thing that I worry about with this team, because a lot of teams are giving up on the run or are not – trying to run that much anymore. After seeing what Taysom Hill did, just taking direct snaps and just lunging ahead for five yards. I'm like, man, can Antonio Gibson tear this this team up right right up the middle
2: man. It's it's, it's still just a gaping hole. That's that I've been concerned with. And let's just hope that they play a team. If they get to the playoffs, that doesn't have a running game.
3: Well, getting Carlos Watkins, the way he played, uh, you know, against new Orleans Uh, Tristan Hill getting Neville Gallimore back. That should help in the middle. Plus, when you get Lawrence and Gregory both out there, that gives you more opportunities to have Micah Parsons in the middle of the field. I think all of those things should help to a certain extent. But yeah, there was a little bit of that, you know, watching that game last night when everybody knew that New England wasn't going to throw and Buffalo still couldn't stop the run. and. There's no way you can win unless you can stop the run. I mean, that's your base right there. You have to be able to stop the run. If you're just going to let a team continuously run on you like that, it it isn't really going to matter what you do outside of that. If they take care of the ball and can run like that, they're beating you. Uh, I did a podcast earlier today uh, on the Washington side with the athletics, Ben Standig, and we were talking about Heineke and I was just kind of like, you know, what are the chances that he's still their quarterback next year at this time? And he's like, well, judging by what could be out there in free agency and then this, just this draft as we get quarterback, you know, it's not completely out of the question that that could happen. Now, what I did think was, was interesting, he pointed out, he goes, Some of the quarterbacks who could become available <laughs> are guys like Matt Ryan, Russell Wilson, Derek Carr. And, 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 the, and the most interesting thing about that is that with Tyler Haneke at cornerback, Washington has beaten all three of those teams this year. Of Gosh. with that with those quarterbacks, so I I don't believe like I told him this I don't believe that Taylor Heineke is the answer. I think that they're riding a, a nice wave right now. He's a big part of this four game winning streak. I don't know that he's your franchise quarterback. Like he seems to be like more of a Gardner Minshew like Nick Foles type thing. Where it's like, man, that's a really good player to have because he can step in and he. But if you're building the whole thing around him. I don't know about that. Taylor Heineke's got a little moxie to him, though. So does Gardner so, Minshew. So does yeah. Nick Foles. You don't win a Super Bowl if you don't have that. Well, Nick exactly. Foles that. But
2: that's why I think he has a little more than a typical backup. He's, he's got you're, a little bit. He's got a little bit of the fourth quarter can can maybe get something done for you instead of just oh like, okay. Maybe so like Andy I, Dalton doesn't have any moxie, for example. Right.
3: Well, you're well, yeah. But I mean, that's his ceiling. <laughs> his ceiling is where Andy Dalton could take you. We win a couple of playoff games. T- Taylor gotcha. Heineke's not winning you a Super Bowl. Um, sure. So I think that, I think that you would keep looking for a quarterback. Maybe one falls to him there, but as long as the NFC East stays the way that it is with Dak Prescott being clearly the best quarterback in the division, the Cowboys should be favored in all of these games. And I know we've talked about on here before about how he's played in some of these outdoor games and things like that. At the end of the day, he's seven and one against Washington. He wasn't out there for either of those games last year when they got blown out by Washington uh, and it's not just seven and one like, hey, seven and one <laughs> Mac Jones yesterday. I, I'm a winning quarterback after t- attempting three passes. No, this is seven and one with him in those eight games, throwing 13 touchdown passes, rushing for four touchdowns, throwing only one interception in those eight games. I mean, he's been a big part of their success against Washington. So we'll see. I mean, obviously, they're they're good up front. They don't have Chase Young. He's out for the season. But they got Montez Sweat coming back. They got good players up there. Jonathan Allen, uh, uh, Deron Payne. I mean, they're, they're going to be a formidable, I mean, this ain't going to be no walk in the park. Don't get me wrong. But at the end of the day, it's tough for me to look at. If you guys can't beat Taylor Heineke, I don't care what kind of four game winning streak they're on. Then you guys really don't even deserve to, to win the division.
1: Well, you know, Mike McCarthy's got a history of having some really good, you know, December football teams. And it's hard to look at anything that he did here last year. Um, but like he's got a history of getting teams ready to go in December, finding ways to win. Obviously, the December thing might mean a little less now because they've added a game and you know get two January regular season games now before he gets to the playoffs. But either way, it's the final five. It's it's gearing up for go time. It's a division rival on the road. All those things you know, and I, and McC- McCarthy's got a history of having his teams ready to play in these games. So and, and to your
3: point. Because of the 17 games, he's he's broken this season down into three parts with the team, three different segments. And he has been very clear that this is the start of the third segment, which to him is the most important part. He's been talking about it all year. And like you said, his record's been better in December. This is clearly a McCarthy trend. This is when they should be playing their best ball.
1: Yeah, I mean, his first year in Green Bay, he was four and one in December with a bad team. He got him to eight and eight. You know, that, that was a that was not a good football team. And they went four and one in December to go get to eight and eight. Um, you know, always pretty pretty much most most December's a winning record uh for him and his coaching history.
3: The yeah, outdoors it's, thing it's I, I'm taking
1: I have taken stock in this outdoors thing though, because there's been some really bad cold weather performances and you know, forty three degrees, you know, whether you call that cold and if it's clear, you know, it's not that's not crazy. But I, I would like to see this team prove to me that they can go win some outdoor games. In the cold, uh, again, small sample size type of thing, but I—that's something I'm monitoring. Again, not ready to go full, full bore off the diving board on with that uh, observation there, but it's something to keep an eye on. And the way you went in December by running tough and you know controlling the ball and shortening the chains and all that stuff, and I'm like, man, this, this feels like a third and eight team right now, you know, other than the third and three team that's you know winning winning a lot of football games.
3: But even against Washington, you still, with those three healthy receivers, even on third and eight, you should be able to convert enough that you put up 20, 28 points, even in the cold with this offense, that your defense should be able to keep Washington under 20. That's just kind of the way I look at it from afar. But to your point about McCarthy, yeah. 39 and 19 overall in December games in Green Bay and in Dallas. Three and two last year in December, despite how bad that everything was last year. And then comparing it to November in, in, in his career, including this past November, 27-35-1. So you go from a losing record in November to significantly, I mean, 39-19 in December is outstanding. This is clearly a Mar- McCarthy trend. And I, if I could find one example to just show to people what that is, is do you think it's any coincidence that this is when Neville Gallimore is coming back and Randy Gregory and DeMarcus Lawrence, 10 games for DeMarcus Lawrence, Neville Gallimore. Remember that first prognosis was four to six weeks. I mean, he's trying to get these guys. It was like, let's get to this po- point in the season and be at our best pot. You're getting all your reinforcements right now. He's getting them all back out on the field right now. This is clearly the time to go. And I believe he would structure it this way, even if the schedule wasn't exactly like it is. I think it's scheduled like this even more when you get that schedule and it's got twice against Washington, at Philadelphia, at New York, all in that final month of the season. Those are your division games. Those are worth more than just any other game. There's no question that. And this is going to tell you a lot about the team because that's the thing. Like you could back into the playoffs. I mean, technically right now, a 500 Washington, I believe is the seventh seed. You could back into the playoffs, but if they play like crap, Right now, in these final December games, who cares if they make the playoffs? They're going home early.
1: Yeah, no, no, I'm with you on that. There's no doubt about it. And You know, I, I know a lot of teams are kind of trying to try to do that. It's weird that Zeke is the one guy who who has admitted that he's hurt. I mean, hurt. He's admitted that he's not 100%. And you could say the whole no one's 100% this time of year. But Zeke has admitted that. Like, yeah, he's not fully right. Zeke's the one guy that doesn't feel like they're like, thinking longer term about. They're thinking about winning this game today. And that's what I'm kind of like, I know we talked about this the other day, but I'm still like thinking about that a lot in terms of, well, we're getting other guys back and getting other guys helping. Other teams in the conference are doing that too. Tampa Bay is trying to reload and get everyone healthy. Green Bay's about to reload and get everyone healthy with Zedarius Smith coming back and Jair Alexander maybe coming back on defense. So there's a lot of that kind of teams kind of getting their whole act in order got a chance to to solve it and we can look at the last four or five games and, and just kind of wash them away and not think about them and getting it in order. I, I'm tempted to go back to Connor Williams at left guard. And the penalties, again, the penalties, honestly, while they came at terrible times, I, I didn't think it was – I didn't think the penalties warranted him getting replaced in the first place. So I I just wonder if we could go back to that. We can get Connor McGovern back in the kind of the fullback role or whatever, you know, kind of moving him around as the sixth offensive lineman. Let's go back to kind of what's working and and let's get this thing in gear for the playoffs.
3: No, and that's totally possible. I mean, we we if if you tell me right now that Connor Williams is starting, I could see a lot of plays on Sunday where Connor McGovern is in that fullback role. And you see two back sets with with Zeke and with Tony Pollard out there with most most of the plays designed to go to Tony Pollard, but still having Zeke out there just because they want to keep defenses honest. But even though I say that, I mean, we're watching these games and we can see that he's not right with how much tape that all these teams watch and how much tape they've been watching recently. There's no way that these teams are looking at Zeke and not running these plays back on their all 22 film and going, whoo. That guy's not right. That guy's not. Well, there's something here. There's not some. And I'm not saying that guys are going to be like dirty or anything like that. But clearly they're going to be aiming to tackle him around the legs. I mean, he's not leaping over anybody. You know, he's not doing any of that stuff right now. And while you definitely would like to have him out there for pass protection just because of how bad the offensive line has been. If you have him out there, you're putting him in situations where he's going to continue to that bruise is not going to go away or, you know, whatever they call it, you know, knee contusion, bruise, whatever you want to call it. And it's clearly he's dealing with pain. It just, you know, from what I've heard that the medical staff says it can't get any worse by him playing, but it's serious. It's he's obviously dealing with pain and he's playing through pain and he's not playing at a hundred percent. And with him playing, I don't know how that gets him any closer to a hundred percent. And I don't know how you have continued success in the postseason without him unless this just turns into an incredible pass blocking offensive line and they're just throwing it all over the yard and Dak is just in the zone and Gallup and Cooper and CD are all healthy and Schultz and they're they're throwing it all over the yard and then they're playing complimentary football on defense because they keep taking it away because other teams are being forced to throw to match to score their points. Diggs is getting picks. Parsons is getting sacks. Randy, Gregory, Lawrence are getting sacks. You could play com- complimentary football like that But that's not what we were sold coming into the season. You remember what we were sold, KT. It was, we can do whatever we want on offense. You take away the pass, we'll run. You take away the run, we'll pass. Eh, Right now, it's like, you take away the run, we're going to pass. You try to take away the pass, we're going to still pass. Because that's that's where we're at right now. (laughs) That's
1: what we have to do. You know, it's also, you know, the Pollard home run Changes everything statistically, but the the Pollard home run was a. You'd be okay if you out. get one of
3: those a game, right? You know, if you could if you could pencil oh, in one of those yeah. a game, I think you'd be fine.
1: <laughs> but you know, it's the thing where, yeah, it does. And it all, all it it starts to feel like oh, we're not meandering as much, you know. But like if you look at where they're running the they they're running the ball up the middle a lot, and then off left guard and off right guard a lot, and those outside runs. Granted, that home run was a millisecond away from being a three or four yard loss. Right. Well, let's hold on. Let's talk about that for a
3: second. That's why it's tough to run that on first down because you do that on first down and it blows up like that. Now you're at second and 15 and you've seen the way this offense has been on third downs. And that's because they're facing a lot of like third and longs and things like that. You set yourself up at second 15, even to get in and manageable for third down. It's almost like the defense already knows, well, they're throwing now they're not going to run it again into a loaded box on second and 15. So it's like, that's why you don't see those as much on first down.
1: Well, I will say this too, and this is why I'm a little optimistic about what they can string together. Um, I, you got through the three games in 12 days, a little bit of a a break, a late game for Washington, which that game was on the road at Las Vegas. So they'll go back home. It's not like it's a short week for them or anything. It's a normal seven-day week. So you got a little bit of an edge there, and I really like that. Bringing back what you're talking about, some defensive reinforcements, that's going to be great. And I truly think when it comes down to it, the Cowboys have too much offensive potential to just stay this bad. And you can't just say all these great things about Kellen Moore and then ignore it. I think Kellen's got what it takes to pull them out of this. I truly do. I always saw Kellen as a guy... Who's never going to run out of content? There's always going to be enough stuff there. They've got their base, you know, the things that they do offensively. But I think he's got enough tricks up his sleeve to kind of get them out of things. My question is, does he have the say so? So if Kellen was going, hey, I want Connor Williams in, or or I want to do this, or I want to give Pollard more carries, and he runs that up the flagpole, how does that work out? Like that. That's that's our kind of my question is. If, I almost think Kellen's just. Not yet the type, and I don't know. Like, you know, right? You don't know what he is asking for or not asking for. But I don't feel like he's the type to go, well, we got to get Tony Pollard more carries than Zeke. That's how it has to work. Got to get Connor Williams back in the left guard. I don't think he has the, the ability to force those changes. The head coach does. Uh, Joe Philbin might have enough say so. You know, an offensive line coach as well. You know, I'm just going to... I'm just fascinated about where those conversations, what those conversations are like, who's having them, who's directing them, who's instigating those conversations because we are at the point where they need to be had. Well, I don't
3: think there's any doubt that they're, that they had to be had this weekend. As you mentioned, the 10 games, I mean, the 10 days um, you're going into what McCarthy has made abundantly clear is the final stretch of the season. This is when you want to be at your best. He always talks about ramping it up for December. Then, if you're going to make your change and your final change, whatever it's going to be for this game, I just don't see why you'd be changing anymore after that. Whatever this is, as long as the five are healthy, you're rolling with these five for the final five games and into the playoffs. I mean, you got to lock into that. Now, I would say Joel Philbin has a lot of say in that room because he's a veteran coach, and he's been their offensive line coach now for the last two years. I think that you know he'll have a lot of say in that, but I'm, I'm sure if Kellen... Uh, you know, doesn't think something's working. He, he's going to be making suggestions about it. And maybe it comes down to where if they were against each other, then it comes down to what Mike McCarthy wants to do. You know, that could be ultimate decider. So I don't know. We'll see. That's why this game's going to tell us a lot. I mean, I know it's not the last game of the year, but that's why I wrote today that I think it's the biggest game of the year, because not only because it's against Washington and Washington's on a four-game winning streak, but where you are as a team and when this game comes, you lose this game, then you're only one game up and you're just kind of looking at yourself like, how the hell did we blow this huge lead? Now we got four games to go, three of which are against NFC East teams. And then the other one is against Arizona, who's probably the best team in the NFL right now. Like this is just, this is another game that's just like the New Orleans game. Like, yeah, you'd like to see the offense get clicking. You'd like to see them get rolling. But as long as you just come out with a win and just keep churning, that that's, that's really all that matters. But if you lose this game, I mean, that's serious. It's, it's serious panic mode.
1: Yeah, and the, and the only good news that could come from that, obviously there's never any good news with losing. The only good news that's from that is, what, get the Giants next week? You're right. Like, we got that. and So I think, hey, we we got something to look forward to. So you can see how very easily it could be to get the ball rolling. I, I, I don't know if I feel like, it's because I'm, I'm very in the boat of protect Dak at all costs, all that type of thing. This is where Russell Wilson cuts it loose. This is where he starts running. Obviously, they're in a different scenario this year as they're clinging for their playoff lives or whatever. But there are some things I've noticed with Dak, too. You see that he's very uncomfortable. Hey, man, if that that three-yard crossing route is open, just give it right now, even though if you're waiting on the 10-yard dagger to cut across and you want to get a good look at that, take what they're giving you, man. If you can get that quick underneath route and just get it and get some yards you get some momentum rolling. I think you've seen Dak kind of hold the ball a little bit. And that's creating all kinds of a messy uh, – just a messy offense, really. And also, I am comfortable with him using his legs now. Don't need him to go full RG3 out there. But, but when you is, hit the he, point, is he
3: – Is he – have you seen a Dak Prescott this season that looks like he's comfortable doing runs like that? Is he well, Is he just saving himself for the playoffs? Well, like he had the one run, obviously the one – uh at the goal line, uh, he had the two-point conversion earlier in the year where you're kind of like, okay, okay. But he hasn't looked as mobile, particularly after the calf injury, as he normally is. But I will say, if you did, to your point, if you did get a couple of those runs out of him because other teams are seeing that too. They're like, he's not running nearly as much. We don't have to worry about this. And he bangs a couple for seven yards, maybe 10-yard gain. Not only what that would do for to lift the team, because certainly they would be excited to see him, you know, get some first downs like that. Obviously, that would motive, that would pump up the team. But That would also change what defenses would have to do against them too. So I'm totally on board with with your thoughts on that. I think that that's a good idea. Obviously, being smart, sliding things like that. Um, but I just haven't seen a deck that looks like he's really wants to do that. I think <laughs> last year's injury and not, you know, having to miss the end of the season. It's more of like, hey, man as opposed to getting five or six yards in this play, let's live to fight another down. We're going to make the playoffs. Let's just make sure I'm there you know, when, when we're in the playoffs as opposed to worrying about that right now. But we're getting to a point where this is the type of game with the way the division standings are, you might need to make a couple of those plays to make the secure a win.
1: He's always made those plays. You take that element out of the game, and it's just not Dak Prescott anymore. I will say this. He was comfortable doing that in the Denver game when they were down by three scores. He's comfortable lowering his shoulder trying to get in the end zone as everyone's going, why is he in the game? Yeah. But I think back to that playoff game against the Rams, you know, diving and, you know, going head over heels and getting, you know, for the first down, was it third, third and goal or whatever it was, or third and 10 or whatever it was and scrambles and he's down at the one or two yard line, you know, he's going to, he's going to get hit. And, what you, know, you uh, can't put yourself in his shoes, obviously, where what he's dealt with, but man, we've kind of hit the point where if you look at Russell Wilson's career when he was Dak's age, kind of see that's where Russell would wait till the second half of games, got to pull us back, kind of be the comeback kid type thing. Late in the season, a few more carries here and there. It's time that Dak's probably running it four or five times a game. Uh, I'm not saying design it, I'm just saying. If it ain't there you're not comfortable, get out, have the pocket presence and go see if you can get, you know, five or six yards or whatever. They got to have that. It's it's not the same Dak Prescott without that element to his game. And ideally, he continues to grow as a passer. And you're not like having to count on that when he gets into his 30s. We're, we're still we're still in 27. Uh, how old is Dak? 27? 28? Uh, yeah. We're still late twenties, Dak. He's got to be doing He's that. Twenty eight. He's got to be doing that. So it's going to be a defense where there's going to be a lot of pressure at the middle. I mean, Jonathan Allen to Payne. I know I've mentioned them already. You know, you're dodging a bullet with Chase Young being out. Now, I, I really think the thing that could alter everything is your pass rush and Washington having a bad quarterback. Adding that pass rush to Washington having a bad quarterback who a lot of people can just go say that he gets the job done. I'm just – I'm telling you, I'm just not in that boat. Like, I don't – I I think you give Washington league average quarterback play and maybe they're a little better team, you know, than 6-6 six and six with the way their defense has been playing. But by the way, their defense just now, like, turned it around. Like,
2: yeah, the, the Cowboys
1: offense, you know, hitting a wall timed up quite perfectly with Washington's defense playing well. I mean, they were giving up 25 points per game – and all of a sudden, under the last three, they're giving up seventeen points per game. You know, that's a big difference. So that's a part of it now. Is their defense kind of coming together, getting the flow? And that's kind of a, kind of bad news. But I know where I feel. And I, I I feel like I want to pick the Cowboys, and I feel okay about it. And it's based on. Sadly, it's not based on what Dallas is doing. You know, it's based more on what I think Washington lacks to beat this team. So I'm picking the Cowboys. I'm picking them to kind of stay kind of in that offensive funk though. I don't think we're back to 30 or team 40 burger yet. So I'm going Cowboys, 24 Washington, 16.
3: Wow. That's really close to mine. I'm sticking with the same prediction that uh, I did on the, on Ben's show. Uh, I'm going 24, 17 Cowboys. I agree with you. I just don't, I don't, I don't see the offense all of a sudden start clicking until maybe we see baby steps in this game where uh, the offensive line starts looking like it's a cohesive unit. But there's just too many plays that I saw watching that New Orleans game over again where I'm just like, what is going on out here? Like, how how are you, how is like, how is a guy completely missing his block? Like, I'm talking yeah. like on plays where they're just rushing four. You have five to five on four. Like, how are you letting guys just free? through like I and then and then just guys like looking at each other like hey I I thought you were gonna do this well I I thought you were gonna do that like just strange stuff there that I feel like almost we just become spoiled watching the Cowboys because we know that they're gonna invest a lot in the offensive line and the way their offensive line looks right now man it's tough man it really is uh but yeah 24 17 Cowboys on to you Kent
2: yeah I think it's gonna be a little lowest lower scoring game and maybe
3: – Give us an 11.
2: You want one of the teams <laughs> like to score 11? Okay, can I work that <laughs> in? Let's see if I can work the, the math. I'm not good at math. So I'll go Cal- – cow. I was going to go Cowboys 20, Washington 10. Okay. okay. That was
3: my –
1: that's what my gut says. But instead, Washington decides to go for Washington, two. Yeah, the for it's two. Washington 11.
3: I like that. Yeah. Goes for two at one point, trying to set the tone.
1: Yeah, Kent was only off by one point last week. So, I like um, the uh,
2: the thought of going for two on your first touchdown, and if you get it, you're up eight to nothing. It's like, wow, this puts us the other team in a weird spot. You know, I think I like what well, the
1: what the Patriots did last yes. night was incredible on yeah. a lot of levels, and that's just another part of it. <laughs> but man, that Mac Jones box score is one to frame and oh, put on your sure. wall somewhere. Yeah, two, game ball two for three for 19 yards. Like like. I didn't see the game. Did he get hurt? You know, like I got. I talked to someone today who didn't see the game, and I was like, guess the box score for Mac Jones. They're like, uh, you know, uh, 14 of 21. I knew it was windy, and it was cold, right? 14 of 21. I was like, try two for three. Um, <laughs> That's
3: unreal. For 19 yards. Not Just bad. Unbelievable. Not uh, bad. But we all
1: picked the Cowboys to win. We all picked the Cowboys to win here. So, all right.
3: They should if they don't. I mean, there's really no excuse for it. There just isn't. When you have Dak Prescott going against Taylor Heineke, you have all these players coming back on on the Cowboys defense. Like it'd be one thing if DeMarcus Lawrence came back last week and I was like, Ooh, there's gonna be a lot of rust that needs to be knocked off there. There didn't look like there needed to be a lot of rust knocked off. Like I said, he played a little over 30 plays in that game. He should be able to do the same in this one. You mix that in with Micah Parsons who every week, it seems like he's playing better and better. Uh, you put Trayvon Diggs and Terry McLaurin. Like, I just, I, I, it doesn't Chase Young's out. You know, like, I just, it's, it's there's not really going to be a lot of excuses you can make if you're the Cowboys and you lose this game.
1: All right, Kent, you got anything else you want to get into?
0: Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover,
2: Yeah, one more thing. Maybe we'll make a little wager here. Some predictions for the future. Or laugh at us in the future, if you want to. The Washington team does not have a name, guys. Oh, yeah. That's but apparently right. it's down to a few. So let's try and guess what, what it's going to be. Okay? So the, these are the most recent report of the uh, the finalists for the names of the Washington football team. First... The Washington Red Hogs. I hate it. I guess going back to the uh, the Hogs, the fans of the, the old team.
1: Yeah, but I think they should just leave color out of anything they do. Okay. Sure. <laughs> I mean, it's a part of what got them in, the, in trouble in the first place.
2: <laughs> Sorry, Red Sox. All right. Uh, defenders, the next name.
0: That's Ar- terrible.
2: Armada. Nope. Not a good name. Presidents, we'll skip that one for obvious reasons. Why would they even consider presidents as non-controversial?
1: They, they're playing up <laughs> the no whole. We're at like... the nation's capital. They just need to let that go.
2: That <laughs> <laughs> made the top eight. Uh, brigade, it's pretty bad too. It doesn't. Washington like brigade, it. <laughs> brigade doesn't really doesn't really work for me. Uh, commanders, this one I kind of like this one. Sounds like XFL, though. Wasn't there a commander's team in the it XFL? It
1: is very XFL. All of them are. Yeah.
2: <laughs> red Wolves, another red. And uh, the, the final choice, the Washington football team. So it makes me think, this will be my prediction, Washington football team will be the name. Because you don't include that unless, unless that's a fallback plan. You can just put eight names out there that aren't Washington football team and say we're definitely moving away from that.
1: I feel like that's where they're at by default. I think I think they're going to yes. keep it uh, because none of these none of these other names blow me away. I mean, I loved you know the Kraken for the new Seattle hockey team. Mm. Uh, that was pretty pretty cool. But like, you can't use the Capitals because the hockey team has it. If you wanted to go that, but you know it's not the only the other Washington team. Remember the Bullets changed their name to the yeah. Wizards.
3: Go with the bullets.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, bring the bullets back. That'd go over well, right? Um, the Mighty Ducks? Is
3: that being used? Sorry. I was just thinking of the worst names. No, they ones. did
1: change them to the Ducks.
3: Mighty Ducks and... They didn't know the Pe- trademark. It wasn't a Disney team anymore. Mighty Ducks and Pelicans are the worst names. Sorry, they just are. I don't know how Pelicans? you come up with Pelicans, Pelicans. with this... Pelicans was fine. Was fine. No. I mean, I
2: didn't, it didn't offend me. It did at first, yeah. but but it's, I think the uniforms and the identity of the city. I, I think it makes sense.
3: You can find a different bird. Yeah, come pel, on,
2: pelican is a. I think a pelic, pelican is just a cool word.
3: Is it pelican? cool? I think it's kind of a. I think it's kind of a nerdy word to be honest. I think with it's you. Cool, it doesn't. It's a cool it's not sounding a s- word. I think.
2: It's a little goofy. It's kind of like (laughs) Oriole. Oriole is a cool sounding word.
3: No, no. Cool bird names are like hawk or falcon or eagle. Like pelican. You just kind of sit there and just randomly eat some fish. Like just looking silly. No.
1: Okay. No, we don't have a lot of fish names besides dolphins, right? The Washington, the Washington crabs. (laughs) The, the, The lobsters. Oh, the pinchers!
2: Uh, I could, I I could, go places.
1: I, I don't think it would be easy. I thought it'd
2: be easy to be like generals,
3: senators, uh, in the Washington Congress, yeah, something like that. that. Judging by KT's face, he has a winner here, folks.
1: The Washington King Crabs.
3: I think I'd go with Commanders over there. Crabs
2: would not be good either. (laughs) Yeah. A lot
1: of jokes. Commanders, until you find out that a lot of the old Commanders were racist, and then you're like, oh, man, we got to change it again. You know, it's like you got to find something that you know is going to last forever, too.
3: You know what they're going to be?
1: They're going to be a football team.
3: Yeah, football team. I don't think Red Hogs is the worst thing ever. I don't think it's great, but just because that – D.C. Defenders was the uh, D.C. – the XFL team, by the way. Yeah, that's not that's not defenders. I guess isn't terrible. I I just I think Washington football team sounds stupid.
1: It does. It sounds terrible. The, like, the Washington Water Boys.
2: Gladiators, like the Cleveland changed their name to that. I I think that's uh, or Guardians.
3: Didn't they? The, the Washington was pretty bad. Wet Bandits. There you go.
2: Okay, we need New York uh, Wet Bandits.
1: Uh, Chicago uh, Wet Bandits. Christmas time, <laughs> uh, the vigil well, Home Alone reference, the vigilantes. Okay. Oh, the Washington Watchdogs.
3: No, uh, there's a lot of PETA a lot doesn't of like dogs. that. Watchdogs, like, oh, there uh, we are. We don't like going. At- we don't like going after dogs like that. Okay.
1: Washington How about this, one?
2: this one's not controversial. The Washington riot.
3: Jesus, um, what is wrong with you? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> We can move on. I, don't, I, don't really, hate, I, really, do, I really don't team. hate, like, Washington generals. I don't hate commanders. Um, Guardians?
1: I, I don't know, man. I just think it's corny. I, I liked we've my done favorite all, that, I, done that, that I heard out
3: there was
2: monuments. So because it's kind there? of a pun. Washington Monument. But it's like, they, it's like a, it's something, that it, it implies, uh, you know, strength, that, I guess.
3: It implies it they just Being stand around there. forever. They just stand there and don't do anything.
2: Uh, I don't and, know. About that. Yeah,
1: and I, I like my teams being an actual noun. Like, I, I, Utah Jazz, I never really liked too much. You know? Heat. Jazz, jazz Heat. is a cool name, but it's like Orlando yeah, Magic. Magic. does does actually do kind of work out pretty Ma- well for the most part, now that yeah. I think about it.
2: We need to stop naming sports teams after Disney things. I think that, that would help too.
1: The, the Washington Wastelines. Mighty Ducks.
2: Yeah. I think football team is the best. I like I like how they've embraced it. I feel like they've embraced it. I don't know if the fans have. John, you can get a sense of that at the game. Because uh, I do see a lot of former team jerseys out there. I, I guess that's just because they got to buy the new stuff or they're waiting. Yeah,
3: I think the fan but base yeah. has been hit pretty hard with the idea of not just the team name change, but that move out to FedEx mm-hmm. from being at RFK. So you're not in actually in D.C. You're mm-hmm. in Landover, Maryland. I think all of those things, the the off the field stuff with the organization, uh, the Dan Snyder stuff and all that, it just is like kind of a mixed bag of like reasons for you not to be overly optimistic. I mean, obviously the most important, they're just the way that they've played uh, for the last 20, 30 years. Uh, I think it would really take. I mean, in my time covering the team, the closest it's ever come to being where you're like, oh, they might be onto something here is really that rookie year of RG3 where you're like, oh, if they can build around this guy, you know, he could be kind of the face of the team. And, you know, maybe they make some maybe they make a Super Bowl run eventually, but it just never anything happened there. There just haven't been like a lot of players to really rally around that have been on the team. I mean, of players that have played on the team. In the last 20 years. I feel like the most common jersey that I see at games is probably Sean Taylor and Ryan Kerrigan. Gosh. Dang.
1: Yeah. Like They've
3: they're just they haven't had a deets. they haven't had a franchise quarterback that you really, you know.
1: RG three had a boom for a little bit. There were probably a few cousins. One didn't Fletcher
2: yeah London, Fletcher, you know, yes. those types of guys you do you do see a lot of those kirk cousins Some people grasping yeah. onto that success a little bit still
1: it's a, such a sad franchise and more reason that the cowboys need to go uh take care of business on exactly
2: sunday. no excuses um
1: so we will talk to you after the game on uh, sunday we'll talk to john live from fedex field uh, he's actually going to the game, dressing in a FedEx guy, you know, outfit. Yeah. So he's like, gonna have. The- he's
2: delivering the game ball. Yeah. Bro. He's, he's that guy. Horns, he's doing know? that yeah. bit before the game where they, they get a delivery man. So look for that.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's gonna be John. Um, we'll talk to John if anything emergency <laughs> happens. Know, delivering the
3: game ball from FedEx. I'll do anything for a John. Good the show.
1: <laughs> Make sure that you keep following uh, The Athletic. Bob's got stuff uh, going as well. Bob Sturm, of course. John's going to have more stuff throughout the week. Sod covering those uh, Dallas Stars who are on a seven-game win streak. So make sure you're following him as well. Tim Cato as the Mavs try to kind of see what they can figure out what they're doing. Levi Weaver's got you covered, even though MLB is locked out. He has some really good free agency content, so make sure you're checking out that. As well, for Father John Mashota, for our producer Kent Garrison, I'm Kevin K.T. Turner, and we'll catch you on Sunday afternoon after the game here on About Them Cowboys. Football team.